98K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. Tonight's headlines. Gyms, massage parlours and clubhouses are set to reopen on Friday. Guests and staff at Metro Park Hotel are to be tested after two guests came down with COVID-19. And the Bar Association says Carrie Lam's claim that there's no separation of powers in Hong Kong is unfounded and inconsistent with the basic law. The government will allow gyms, beauty parlours, clubhouses and arcades to reopen from Friday while extending the opening hours of restaurants by an hour until 10 o'clock. Operators will have to put social distancing measures in place and customers will have to wear masks. Bars, karaoke lounges and swing pools will remain closed and a ban on gatherings of more than two remains. The Health Secretary Sophia Chan said the changes were based on feedback from business operators and members of the public premises that we have opened uh, largely sports premises because we gather you know actually many people would like to do some exercise and some sports in the midst of the epidemic which have lasted for about eight months now so people are tired fatigue and so doing some exercise would also bring about physical as well as mental health so we felt that this is something that would have some priority Sauna and massage parlour operators say they hope to get business back to about half of its usual level when they're allowed to reopen on Friday. Jimmy Chow, the president of the Licensed Massage Association, says operators have already carried out disinfection and are taking safety measures that go beyond those required by the authorities, including giving workers protective suits. The Liberal Party lawmaker, Shu Kai-Fai, who's helping the sector, says operators face high costs and should receive further subsidies from the government. You can see for the sauna industry, their premises uh, mostly have uh, uh, more than 10,000 square feet. Or uh, last time we have a, a press conference, um, those premises have about um, 30,000 square feet. So you can see um, their window is more than a million dollars per month. If government only subsidies for um, 100,000 for these premises, I think um, it's not fair for those big industries. Health officials say they will test everyone who worked or lived on the same floor as two COVID-19 patients who stayed at the Metro Park Hotel in Mong Kok. The Centre for Health Protection said the two patients, one of whom died on Monday, did not know each other, and it is so far unclear where and how they caught the virus. Dr. Tran Shukwan said there were several possibilities. I think definitely they will share lift uh, when they were going down and, and other common facilities, maybe. And both of them will go to nearby places to buy food or um, go to the restaurants. So there's also chance of other um, possible songs. The two are among eight cases confirmed in Hong Kong today. Several mortuary staff have been placed in quarantine after coming into contact with the body of the Metro Park Hotel resident. The Bar Association has concluded that the chief executive is wrong in saying there is no separation of powers in Hong Kong's government system, saying her claim is unfounded and inconsistent with the ambiguous provisions of the basic law. Priscilla Ung reports. The Bar Association says Carrie Lam's declaration earlier this week that there is no separation of powers in Hong Kong, only a division of labor between the three branches of government, has no basis in the basic law. In a statement, 
It cited six basic law articles as clearly setting out the different functions of the executive, legislative, and judicial branches of government. The body also said her position departs from some of the rulings made by the top court about the structure of the SAR government and deviates from the public statements made by two chief justices, past and present. The association stressed that the principle of a separation of powers has real-world effects. The three branches are supposed to operate largely independently, creating a system of checks and balances, which in turn serves to avoid excessive concentration of power, guards against abuse, and strengthens the rule of law. But the vice chairwoman of the Basic Law Committee, Maria Tam, said while the three branches of government do have different functions and monitor one another, the concept of separation of powers is just a legal principle, but does not form part of the constitutional order in Hong Kong. The police have charged 27 more people with illegal assembly relating to clashes during the siege of the Polytechnic University in November. Officers say the group gathered in East Chimsa Choi on November the 18th to support the protesters. They will appear at Kowloon City Court next Wednesday. Tune to RTHK, the time is 5 minutes past 11. The High Court has rejected an appeal from ousted lawmaker Sixus Leung against his conviction for storming a LegCo meeting in November 2016. The localist activist did not seek bail and was taken to custody to begin a four-week sentence for unlawful assembly. He says he plans a further appeal. The court said even if Leung honestly believed he had the right to enter the room, he could not escape legal consequences for charging at security guards. Leung had been attempting to retake his oath of office after the original was ruled invalid. Speaking before the ruling, he said the case was ridiculous. I think it interprets the message to the international world as well. That's how Hong Kong situation is. If any employees or a national member that can fall into the trap of so-called unlawful assembly in its own working place. The Cathay Pacific Staff Union has called on the airline to reinstate workers who were fired over protest-related arrests but were then cleared by the courts. Former Cathay flight attendant was acquitted on Monday of obstructing police by blocking a water cannon with his car in November. Suki Wong, who chairs the Cathay Pacific Airways Flight Attendants Union, says the man won't take any action over his sacking, but she urged the company to change its policies. In the previous cases, most of them, once they are arrested by the police, they will get terminated right away. So it would be great if the company could wait for the court results or wait for a longer period and maybe giving them a pay leave or whatever to wait for the results. That would be better for the staff and of course for the company itself. The government has cancelled this year's National Day fireworks display in Victoria Harbour due to the COVID-19 pandemic. It's the second consecutive year that the display has been cancelled after last year's event was called off because of the anti-government protests. The October 1st display was also cancelled in 2014 during the pro-democracy Occupy movement, as well as in 2013 on the first anniversary of the Lama Ferry disaster. Police say they've arrested 15 people suspected of trying to con the government to get their hands on pandemic relief funding for businesses. In one case, a security guard is suspected of seeking payouts for 17 fictitious nail salons. Others are suspected of exaggerating the size of existing companies. Cases involve a total of 47 applications worth $3.8 million. Suspects are being held for questioning. 
Chief Inspector Ho Yoi Kun says some of the applications involve falsified photos or documents. For those subsidy under the beauty parlor and massage establishment, because the subsidy amount depends on the number of employees employed by the applicant, so they will submit forged false information of MPF remittance record with a view to proving that they have employed five or more employees so that they are eligible for applying $100,000 of subsidies for each business. An animal rights advocate says he's shocked and disappointed by the Department of Justice's decision not to bring prosecutions in a cruelty case involving the deaths of more than a dozen animals. Two men were arrested in February after the remains of the animals were found outside the Hong Kong Garden housing estate. They're believed to have been thrown from the high-rise building. Mark Mack, executive director of the not-for-profit Veterinary Services Society, says there appeared to be more than enough evidence to initiate the prosecution says animal protection laws should be strengthened. I think we have to amend ordinance that, you know, the animal abuse cases sometimes is a very severe and it is a serious crime that, you know, it cannot conduct under the summer week offence. It has to be a, a indictment that to, to be heard in the, in the, in the higher courts and shouldn't be have any time bar. The observatory says this summer has been the hottest summer record in Hong Kong. It says exceptionally hot weather in June and July, as well as a hotter-than-usual August, saw the SCR record its highest minimum and maximum temperatures. With four months of the year to go, the territory has already seen 43 very hot days, beating a record from 2016. The number of hot nights has reached 46, equaling the record set last year. Air pollution across Hong Kong has once again hit very high levels and the government is warning that this may persist for several more days. The Environmental Protection Department says local weather conditions are to blame with light winds unable to disperse the haze. Roy Chung is a senior environmental protection officer. Hong Kong is now being affected by the outer circulation of severe typhoon Maysac in the continental airstream with high background pollution. The weather is mainly fine, very hot with light winds which is unfavorable for pollutant dispersion. Therefore, we are experiencing higher than normal pollution levels. According to the latest weather forecast, it will be windier with a few showers during the weekend and early next week. And it is expected the situation will improve by then. Spokesman for the German government has said they have concluded that Alexei Navalny, a prominent opponent of President Putin, was poisoned with Novichok. He said NATO and the EU would be informed Novichok is a nerve agent that was developed by the Soviet Union and then Russia. It was used in the poisoning of a former Russian spy and his daughter in England in 2018. Disputed President of Belarus, Alexander Lukashenko, has ramped up his rhetoric against the opposition, warning of a bloodbath if it takes power. The opposition has stressed that it wants a peaceful transition. Here's BBC's Mike Sanders. Alexander Lukashenko's language is becoming ever more blood-curdling. He told journalists that the opposition would rip everything he'd built to pieces and start killing decent people and their children. He'd already said that his opponents would have to kill him if they wanted fresh elections, as if to emphasise the point he was filmed brandishing an automatic rifle at the presidential palace. He'd earlier told supporters NATO was at the gates, but it's the violence of the security forces towards overwhelmingly peaceful protests that has been seared on people's memories. The Thai king Maha Wajira Longkorn has restored the rank and titles of his mistress after she fell from favour last year. 
former nurse has been accused of trying to rival the Queen. From Bangkok, his BBC's Jonathan Head. The dramatic announcement that Miss Sininat had been stripped of all her titles, accused of disloyalty and opposing the Queen, suggested conflicts within the royal family between Queen and Mistress. The Mistress then vanished from public view for ten months, only to re-emerge at the King's side in Germany last month. Now a new royal announcement states that all her titles have been restored and should be considered as never having been removed. There is no stain on her reputation, it said. Her rehabilitation coincides with unprecedented criticism of the monarchy in Thailand by anti-government protesters. Indian government says it is banning another 118 Chinese mobile apps amid continuing tensions between the two countries along their disputed border in the region of Ladakh. In a statement, the government cited data security concerns. They include the video game PUBG, which has millions of Indian users, as well as WeChat Work and WeChat Reading. Sport and first some high drama at the US Open Tennis. Former men's number one Andy Murray is making his Grand Slam return after an emotional near retirement 18 months ago, which was followed by a career-saving hip surgery. Murray was two sets and a breakdown against Yoshihito Nishioka in the first round, playing poorly and seemingly down and out. But that precarious position allowed the Scot to finally tap into that old Murray grit, and back he came. Serve goes out wide, serve and volley for Nishioka, plays the half volley, here comes Murray, goes for the lob, the backhand is played, it's a high one for Nishioka, the ball drifts long and comeback is complete! It is absolutely astonishing from Andy Murray, there is nothing left for Andy Murray to celebrate with, four hours and 38 minutes on the clock, there is no crowd, but he will go into the centre and he will roar as if there were 15,000 people filling the Arthur Ashe Stadium. Denver Nuggets have earned their place in the second round of the NBA playoffs after getting past the Utah Jazz in Game 7 that went right down to the wire. The game ended when Mike Conley's three-point attempt rimmed out. The Nuggets held on to win 80-78 and became the 12th team in NBA history to overcome a 3-1 deficit to win a series. Nikola Jokic, who scored the last go-ahead bucket for Denver, spoke about the final moments of the game. Mike uh, had a really open look and uh, the ball went in and out so we kind of like it but we 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 didn't quit we didn't like we were down 3-1 uh, I don't know how many teams are down 3-1 and came back so we just didn't want to quit and uh, I said before this is going to be interesting so, uh, and it was and uh, hopefully <laughs> I mean gladly we won the game. And a dazzling fourth quarter display by Marcus Smart helped the Boston Celtics beat the Toronto Raptors 102-99, take a 2-0 lead in the second round series. Mind of our top stories tonight, gyms, massage parlours and clubhouses are set to reopen on Friday. Guests and staff at Metro Park Hotel are to be tested after two guests, two guests came down with COVID-19. Bar Association says Carrie Lam's claim that there's no separation of powers in Hong Kong is unfounded and inconsistent with the basic law. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3. It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's News Wrap programme. Social distancing restrictions are being eased further as the number of coronavirus cases in the city continues to fall. The government said that from Friday, gyms, massage parlours, clubhouses and video arcades will be allowed to reopen and restaurants can stay open for an extra hour until 10pm. 
Dr. Leung Chi Chu, an infectious disease expert from the Medical Association, told Jim Gould that he doesn't foresee any problems with this fine-tuning of the restrictions. The current proposal measures are more or less fine-tuning and they are not likely to cause a major impact on overall disease control measure. I think with the continuing decline of the cases, uh, it should not cause any problem. Like you say, it's fine-tuning, a balancing act between protecting public health and trying to keep the economy going. So is this about right? I think it's about right, except that I think uh, for the operation of the restaurants, we may relax the number of persons per table to four uh, to suit the average family size in Hong Kong. And that may help uh, the restaurant to run their business more smoothly. Okay, uh, and from Friday, gyms, massage parlours, clubhouses, game centres will all be allowed to reopen. Bars and karaoke's must remain closed. Uh, is that reasonable and sensible? In colour, okay. I mean, uh, the ventilation is a problem. And when people are singing, uh, there's a uh, higher chance there for them to uh, disperse uh, more jobless and also into uh, the poorly ventilated environment and people tend to stay there for prolonged period. And so I, I think karaoke is still a problem area and then we may need to wait for some time uh, when we can better control our local pandemic and then uh, we may consider that uh, at the next stage. And for the uh, teams and um, for the uh, massage parlor, because uh, they, they still limit the total number of patients uh, in uh, each one and in the fitness centers, and uh, there's also requirement for wearing masks, and that may help to contain the risk of transmission through either job lab or aerosol. show, and uh, that should not be a major problem as long as uh, we take care of uh, these hygienic measures. Now, on the universal community testing scheme that's currently going on, um, some critics have questioned its effectiveness. Of course, uh, everybody's being urged by the authorities to be tested. Uh, What do you think? I think uh, we need to look at it uh, more or less as uh, a a learning opportunity and to get some quicker, I think, uh, to have a better assessment of the local pandemic. And for that, uh, I think uh, any response uh, and any number of case funds is something that may be of some help. And uh, for me, I think uh, any number turning up is not a problem by itself. And you look at uh, the maximum number of uh, person that can be tested uh, by the current scheme uh, with the limitation the number of centers and with the limited uh, manpower, I do not think we are able to uh, handle more than a million persons uh, per week. And now we have uh, more than uh, 700,000 uh, registers for testing. It's not a very strong uh, after all. Uh, and then uh, even if you have better response, you won't have the manpower or the center to handle it.
And if that is really, they can extend the testing for another week. Well, even with that, we are not able to handle more than two million in, uh, citizens. And, and with that perspective, I think it's pointless uh, to argue. I think uh, whether we did uh, to test five million or not, I don't know to, to help. In any case, uh, with the specific characteristic of uh, this disease, I think such testing program, uh, mass testing program, uh, can only play a very supplemental role uh, in the local control. For the local control, we still need to ask people to try to stay home as much as possible, and we still need to uh, speed up our case funding and uh, contact tracing. And, uh, and also, uh, we need to uh, close all the loopholes uh, in relation to importation. Uh, if we can uh, uh, do all this, uh, I'm confident that we may be able to clear all the local infections, uh, local transmission within a matter of weeks. The gruesome discovery last week on two beaches of dead animals in pet carriers has shone a spotlight on the plight of dogs and cats who have been separated from their owners because of the COVID-19 pandemic. The fear is that smugglers on their way to the mainland had dumped the animals overboard while fleeing the police. The authorities believe mainland pet owners returning home from abroad had paid tens of thousands of dollars for agents to bring their pets home via Hong Kong. But why are pet owners taking such a risk? Dr Matthew Murdoch is the director of Ferndale Kennels and Cattery, which is a pet relocation expert. He told Richard Pine about the current regulations surrounding moving pets into the mainland. The situation at present since the outbreak of the coronavirus and, and perhaps around the end of January or Chinese New Year, actually the land border between Hong Kong and China is completely closed both ways for pets to travel. To fly pets kind of into China or via Hong Kong, there is also issues and restrictions as well. Uh, one issue is that, of course, the, the passengers, when people fly from Hong Kong or, or from the USA into China, have to go into quarantine because of uh, COVID reasons. But another issue is just the airlines and the airline, the frequency of the flights and all of the, the different flights and the rules and regulations have severely limited the number of flights which are possible. Mm, I guess Hong Kong doesn't have those restrictions then? Uh, I mean, similar, we, we do, but every airline and every jurisdiction has got slightly different rules and requirements. So basically what used to happen is that pets used to fly into Hong Kong from, say, America with Lufthansa or uh, United or one of the big airlines. And then if they're going to Guangdong or, or to, to southern China, they would often transit in a legal way across the border very easily and quickly, you know, by, by road or by rail. And However, because the land border is closed, this then means that it's, it's very difficult to move pets into China. So, so there must be people who, who would like to do that method, but they, they can't because the border's closed. And there must be other people who would like to fly their pets to China, but or they don't want to fly because they'll be, they'll be stuck in quarantine. So that limits the amount of flights that people can take. Is it wise then maybe to, to just keep pets where they are rather than risk flying them uh, across countries when it's unclear whether you'll even be allowed to bring them in? I mean, it depends on the, it depends on the routes and the regulations and, and everything. So 
our agency and, and other EPATA members, EPATA being the International Pet and Animal Transportation Association, other these agents in Hong Kong are, are moving animals quite easily to the, you know, to the UK, to Europe, to, to the States, things like this. But it's probably easier if, if you're on the same plane. There's a degree of reassurance that you know you have your pet is with you. Going into China, if people want to move into the pets into China from Hong Kong or from overseas, yes, it's probably better just wait a few more months and, and see what's going to happen. Okay, and just finally, is there any advice you can give to pet owners if they are thinking about uh, flying or relocating their pets during this coronavirus crisis? So the regulations are changing very frequently for the different countries, and the, this obviously this has been a, a really horrible situation which has emerged, you know, in, in the news recently about these about this pet smuggling. Just you know, please please use a, an agent that you can trust so we'd recommend to use an aparta pet shipping company who who are trusted and they promise to move animals in a safe and a humane way rather than being focused on the profits or, or taking illegal shortcuts the Khmer Rouge commander known as Comrade Duch, Pol Pot's main executioner and security chief who oversaw the murder of at least 14,000 Cambodians, has died at the age of 77. He was the first member of the Khmer Rouge leadership to face trial for his role in a regime blamed for at least 1.7 million deaths in the killing fields of Cambodia from 1975 to 1979. Anna-Marie Evans asks our Cambodia correspondent Luke Hunt where Comrade Duch spent his last days. About a year ago, he was moved to a correctional facility in Kandel, which is uh, on the outskirts of Phnom Penh. After his, basically his evidence and what he had to contribute to the Khmer Rouge Tribunal was over, so they moved him out of a specific facility and out into the countryside. And uh, what's the reaction been in Cambodia? I think people are kind of relieved in a way. There's been a big push to sort of like consign the whole Khmer Rouge era to history now and it's uh, the tribunal has happened it's still ongoing in terms of in terms of lesser lights who may or may not face justice but in terms of getting the, the main people who are still alive that has been achieved there's been a lot of good come out of the tribunal and a lot of people would probably see his death as like something of a relief and something of uh, another era that belongs to history. Now, Doik was kind of the chief torturer, the chief killer, a very methodical man. I mean, they still found all his notes. He was. Doik was uh, an industrialised thug exterminator in the extreme, and he began in 1971, four years before the Khmer Rouge came to power. They held an area in Amlai, which is uh, south, I think, of Phnom Penh, and there they experimented with torture chambers. And this is where they learned to pull teeth, pull fingernails, kill babies. They, they, they did a lot. It was extraordinary how mean and cruel they were. And that formed the prototype for what would happen at S21 when they took power in 1975. And it's important to remember that perhaps 24,000 people went through, uh, were uh, basically processed and slaughtered out of S21. And S21 was just one of about 200 equivalent facilities scattered around the country. I mean, was he this man before? Did he become this man under the Khmer Rouge? Uh, what's his background? I don't think so, and nor do... I think a lot of people who have followed the Khmer Rouge for many decades now have come to understand that Doik was just a soulless, methodical killer. He was a mathematical, some say a genius. He really thrived in the kind of tight, hierarchical structure of the Khmer Rouge. After that, he... he became a born-again Christian, and he loved the church and the hierarchy of the church. And then even with him, once he was arrested in 1999, 
and he came into the system of the Khmer Rouge tribunal, he even seemed to sort of uh, get along well, for want of a better, better phrase. He actually enjoyed the hierarchy of the system, his place in the system. And it's kind of... Uh, he's, he's a strange, strange man. He liked the system, he liked his place in the system, and he would do anything to keep his place in the system, and that included killing babies. In terms of, I mean, obviously the tribunals led to perhaps some among the population, some idea that, that justice had been met, but um, why did it take 20 years? Well, I mean, you have to remember that the Civil War never ended until 1998, and then there was uh, an agreement between the two powers at the time, uh, Prince Norodom Ranari and Hun Sen was Prime Minister number two. They wrote a letter to the United Nations asking for a tribunal, but then the legal wrangling began with the uh, Cambodians wanting a tribunal here in Cambodia as opposed to somewhere like the heart, and they wanted control of the bench. Now, that led to a big dispute with the UN, in particular the UN lawyer Hans Corral. Uh, it was only when Kofi Annan stepped in and said, you must organise this, get it done, that it actually happened. And in 2002, they reached a basic agreement and then it still took three years to set up the logistics, organise the lawyers, organise the judges, and it came into being about three or four years later. History has been made by the South Korean boy band BTS as they become the first all-Korean act to top the US Billboard Hot 100 singles chart. The seven members of the K-pop group are also the first Asian artists in more than 50 years to achieve this feat. The BBC's Charlotte Gallagher reports. Dynamite is the first single by BTS sung entirely in English. Its pastel-coloured music video broke YouTube records when it was released, becoming the first to achieve 100 million views in one day. The previous record holders were another K-pop band, Blackpink. A week on from that achievement, BTS are celebrating again after becoming the first all-Korean pop act to top the Billboard 100 US singles chart. Three of BTS's albums have hit number one on the US album chart, but this is their first number one single there. One member, Ji Min, said the tears kept coming and he didn't know what to say. Even the South Korean president offered his congratulations, saying the band had achieved a splendid feat. In a sign of how seriously the country takes its musical achievements and cultural exports, he added that the news would bring consolation to Koreans suffering from the national crisis caused by COVID-19. Those stories were part of the Newsroom programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Robert Kemp from our newsroom. The Diploma Yi Jean programme is now open for enrolment. It is comparable to Level 2 standard in the Hong Kong Diploma of Secondary Education Examination in five subjects, including Chinese language and English language. The Diploma Yi Jean is also a Qualifications Framework Level 3 programme. It gives you a recognised qualification to further your studies or apply for a job. Visit the website www.yijin.edu.hk for program details and apply to institutions. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December, we'll have moments to read.
moments to remember. This is Nostalgia with Ray Cordero all the way until 1 a.m. Nostalgia with Ray Cordero all the way until 1 a.m. That was, uh, that was, uh, Johnny Pearson at the piano. 
Jim 